Bald Man Campus is presented by QuickBooks. New business? No problem. Success starts with the Do-It QuickBooks. Learn more at QuickBooks.com. That's QuickBooks.com. Bald Men on Campus. With Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Man on Campus. I am Seth Greenberg, joined by Jay Billis and the great LaFonso Ellis. And uh, we are at the final four in terms of we're down to four teams, but let's look back a little bit. Sweet 16. Obviously, we saw Gonzaga go down. We saw Purdue go down to St. Pete's. What was your guys' biggest takeaway from the round of 16? Not only are they bald and beautiful. Bald! You're bald! They all have very large brains. Quick as smart, body It's time for Knowledge Gained. Well, St. Peter's uh, to, to beat Purdue, which I'm not sure how many people thought would happen after the extraordinary happening of beating Kentucky and then taking out a seven seed in Murray State. Uh, St. Peter's was the darling of the tournament and really the only Cinderella in the Sweet 16 that I just don't consider, you know, an 11 seeded Michigan or a 10 seeded Miami. Uh, and there was one other double-digit seed, uh, 11-seeded Iowa State. I don't consider power conference teams to be Cinderella. They're, they're just not. So the Sweet 16, we had 13 major conference teams, Gonzaga, Houston, both of which were Final Four teams last year and and, and powers in the game, and St. Peter's. So St. Peter's to me was, was the – uh, different story, feel-good story, fun story uh, of the first two weekends of the tournament. But, you know, I, I think it goes back to what we've been saying all year. It's one thing to have a run in the tournament and and to, to advance mm-hmm. to the second weekend. It is another thing entirely to reach a Final Four and have a legitimate chance to win a national championship. Uh, you know, we, we, we've, got, we've got four blue bloods that are competing for that. And uh, that, that that's a different level and a different deal. And they had no chance, though. National Peacock Day. <laughs> Purdue had no chance. I mean, I didn't know it was a National Peacock yeah. Day. I didn't know that, obviously, peacocks had <laughs> absolutely horrific smelling feces. But uh, the things we learned with St. Pete's. feces. Right? Really, really. But, but the things we learned, with things that we learned, uh, you know, because of St. Pete's success is unbelievable. Yeah. What do you think, Fonzo? Well, mine, uh, mine was Houston over Arizona. I had Arizona getting to the finals against Gonzaga, which I'm sure we'll talk about it a little later but when i think about that houston team and what they've had to endure to get themselves here part of the reason why i didn't have them moving even getting to the sweet 16 is without marcus sasser who's an absolute assassin 18 points shot over 40 percent from the three-point line they lose tremont mark uh you know 10 points for him a great defender a guy who can drive it and yet you know, you get guys like Taze Moore stepping up his game and they knock off an Arizona team. They hold Kirk Kreese. The, the issue that I had all year with Arizona, while I was a little bit uncomfortable uh, making them my getting them to the national championship, is I was concerned about Kirk Kreese's ability to be able to knock down a consistent three ball. And uh, he was one for seven in that game from three. And they never allowed Arizona to get comfortable on the offensive end, absolutely dismantle them. Yeah. And they just bullied them. Uh, but Creasa was hurt, and mm-hmm. uh, he was two of seventeen in the two games he played in the tournament. And clearly, was not himself, and and I think that affected things. Not that that if he knocked a few shots down, they would have won that game. But um, you know, Houston, uh, the the teams we saw advance early were smash mouth mm. defensive teams. Mm-hmm. 
but that went away pretty quickly when we got to the elite eight and the teams that could really score wound up, wound up advancing. But I mean, that is something that was the lowest scoring sweet 16 that we've had since 2015. Wow. And not, not coincidentally, that's when the freedom of movement initially started. <laughs> uh, it died a horrible death. <laughs> and, uh, talk, talk about bad smelling feces. Uh, freedom of movement is, is dead. Bill's is going to have a billboard. Right. I think he should have a yes. billboard at the final four. I think welcome to new Orleans. <laughs> Rest in peace, freedom of movement. Yeah. No, how do you operate? How do you operate it? Milk cartons with freedom of movement on it. <laughs> T-shirts and uh, mi- missing, you know, missing freedom of movement. If anybody has any information, please contact supervisor of officials because he can't find it either. So you didn't like that Villanova game last night, huh? That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Watching watching uh, Villanova in Houston. You just poked the bear. You just like literally. You, you you know, Fodge, You used to be a kind or gentle guy. All right now, you you become an. Just like us. <laughs> we need I've, never, I've never been called that before. <laughs> I, was like, well, I was like watching 40, 40 minutes of uh, intentional walks. <laughs> how, how about Arkansas? I mean, Arkansas, not a Cinderella story, but Arkansas, obviously they run uh, their success against Gonzaga. Uh, I think Arizona and Gonzaga lost in a similar way. Two teams that really got underneath them. And, and disrupted their rhythm, their flow, pushed them out a little bit, uh, challenged them athletically. I mean, quite honestly, and like, like to me, Chris, uh, like I, I thought if you watched him against Tennessee, he got pushed back when people got underneath him. And then, you know, we said all season long about Andrew Nebhard. Andrew Nebhard is terrific, but he's not their best player, but he's probably their most important player. And Arkansas did a not a good job, but a great job. Uh, disrupting him, taking him out. And when you take him out, obviously it impacts everyone else on that team. And, uh, you know, it was hard. You know, look, few is going to win a national championship. And they've got a world-class program. And it drives me crazy. Here, here's one of my pet peeves. Oh, Gonzaga, they play in that easy league. You know, that's because, no, they're one of the elite programs in college basketball. You made a great, uh, said a great thing when in the marathon, which you, while the marathon was going on, you were taking a nap, Jay Bills. But, uh, you know, and probably snoring because I've been with you around when you were taking a nap. But, but you, know, you know, to me, it's when you look at Gonzaga, you know, you just, they are who they are. They're knocking at the door. They're going to knock through the door. They're not going anywhere. And they're going to continue to get good players. And they're going to continue to be in a position where they can compete for a national mm-hmm. championship. And I think it's, it's really, quite honestly, unfair. But the reality of the world we live in is, you know, if you don't win and get to the championship game or win a championship, that's how you proceed. Fonz, you said you can't be a blue blood unless you win a national championship. That's right. right? That's exactly right. So, I mean, that's where it's at. How about the Elite Eight games? Well, I mean, two of them were great. And then the two on Sunday were, you know, sort of blowouts. I mean, Kansas in the second half completely Oof completely dominated mm-hmm. and uh, and just took apart Miami defensively. What do you think of Jim Laranega's charge in the, in, in the open in his pregame speech? Did you have a block? Did you I have thought a it was a flop. You honestly. thought it was a flop? Yeah, <laughs> most of those are blocks. I mean, how is Jim going to get in position uh, with his lateral quickness? Did someone have to help him get up because he's rather old? <laughs> right. Help, I follow uh, it. doesn't look as good as Leonard or, or, or the other guys that are older, to yeah, by the exactly. way. <laughs> and then, I mean, I can't imagine what Matt Painter and John Calipari were thinking during North Carolina's dismantling of St. Peter's, mm. they were going, God, if we had just played 
Oh, yeah, that was. Uh oh, what's that sound? <laughs> what's that sound, Seth? That was a peacock. <laughs> it, but but you know what? All all credit to St. Peter's. Yes, for oh, really? magnificent tournament. Uh, but it, that was just a, a different level that, that Carolina's on. And Armando Baycott, again, you know, 20 points, 22 rebounds, and got taken out of the game early. He could have had 25 rebounds, 26, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, just a, uh, he, He's just a stud. And what mm-hmm. a season he's had. That's 29 double-doubles now. Crazy. Wow. Which ties Tim Duncan. you got to go back mm-hmm. to 95 for an ACC player to put up numbers like that. Now, maybe somebody in another conference has done it without us knowing it. Um, but it, it would be basically uh, Duncan and Blake Griffin mm-hmm. who, who were, yeah. were that kind of, you know, putting up those kind of numbers. Uh, and and St. Peter's could not pressure Carolina's guards. Playing those two yeah. point guards, they just they handled all the pressure, mm-hmm. and it was, ne- it was never a game, not for one minute. I text you, uh, I think, eight minutes into it, and I said, O-V-A. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and look, what St. Peter's accomplished is phenomenal, yes. phenomenal. What was your takeaway on Duke? That team just continues to grow right before our eyes. And and Seth, we said this a few weeks ago, what jumps off the page for me, for them, is on any night, they have four guys in their starting lineup who can go get 20. So Paolo Bancaro gets off to a slower start. Now Mark Williams is running the floor hard, getting offensive rebound. That offensive rebound put back that, that he crazy. had in transition was like sick. Young Rafael Torellis. Right? <laughs> I don't know about that. He gets off the ground much quicker than I do, and that joke is long. But uh, just, I mean, and we've watched so many of their players just step up and be able to make big plays late. And, and it was interesting because in the second half, uh, Note was able to get underneath Jeremy Roach a little bit, made him a little uncomfortable, he turned it over. And then all of a sudden, and so the versatility that they have, because now Wendell Moore is handling the basketball or up the floor. Ke- even Trevor Kills. Yeah, no question about it. And so uh, A.J. Griffin all of a sudden started getting loose late, started knocking down some threes. I remember they, he ran a little curl on the left side of the floor, able to get to the basket and finish one. So uh, th- this team has – and they're starting to play better on the defensive end, but just when you're able to beat them off the bounce and get in the lane, they go to that 2-3 zone, and it generally <laughs> throws your offense out of whack. And so I just love the way Duke's playing right now. Nobody play, Nobody's played better in the tournament than Duke. If you went just by performance, said who's the best team, and watched all these teams play, you go, Duke's the best team. Mm-hmm. Now, they may not be the best team when we get to, sure. to New Orleans because uh, it's a week from now. But uh, but they they've been the best team. They've they've performed at the highest level. They've been the most consistent. Uh, they have given you the vibe of a championship yeah. caliber team with their talent and and how they've played together on both ends. Their communication on defense has been next you know next level from what we saw two weeks ago. Uh, but but I I just have this uh, pit in my stomach about Justin Moore that mm-hmm. you know Villanova. I'm not saying they can't win. But their chances of winning now are greatly reduced without Justin Moore. And it, it, it one, to have a player, you hate to see anybody get hurt, yep. but to have a player like Justin Moore, who is a load carrier, uh, not only be compromised, but be out, uh, that changes everything for, uh, for Villanova. And look, Houston overcame a lot, but they had a period of time to do it. And it, it, that's not easy. 
to do it in five days is a totally different oh, ball game. Perfect. And uh, like, like I know they'll put Caleb Daniels in there. That means Eric Dixon is going to have to play a lot more. Chris Archidiacono is going to have to come in and play some more minutes, but they're going to have to, you know, be in, it, it's more than a man down. Mm-hmm. That, that's how valuable Justin Moore is. 78% of their bench minutes were from Caleb Daniels. Wow. 78%. So, I mean, obviously he's going to slide in and look, he can rebound the ball. He can defend. Now look, Justin Moore was the second leading scorer, their best perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. Their best guy backing down and scoring it and distributing it. He rebounded his position. I mean, it's going to be tough. Before before we get finished with that, I have I have this my this philosophy. I, I, you two guys help me here. Duke's season didn't start. I understand Coach K Swan song and his senior night and his last game at Cameron and his last ACC tournament. But when you're you go to Duke and you guys you were part of the team that started it, Jay. You go to get the Final Fours and win national championships. I mean, that's just the mindset. Like, we're watching Duke play, and they've, they've surely figured things out. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeremy Roach is playing about 35 minutes a game in the NCAA tournament. He wasn't playing that before. I mean, Trevor Kills was playing those minutes. But, like, there's a mindset to me that did their season not start in a lot of ways until the NCAA tournament starts? Like, if you're Powell Bancaro and you're one and done, is it, and this is just a mindset for me, if you're a one and done guy and you want to, obviously, you know, seven months you're going to be gone, and you're still part of the, quote, unquote, the brotherhood, but – you go to win a championship. Like, is there, do you think there's a way, a mindset of, all right, this is what I came here for. The NCAA tournament starting. My my quest begins now. Does that make any sense? It it does from the outside. I just don't think you can you can operate a full season with that idea, and I don't think they do that. I know. I know Coach, Coach K, K doesn't. I know Coach K doesn't do that. Um, but I, I just don't believe that that players have a switch like that. You know, everybody has the the survival instinct when you get to postseason sure. of of you know losing, you're done. But but that goes for everyone. I mean, you know, you're playing against hungry teams all the time. They want to win too. And just because the program has had a championship mentality for a lot of years doesn't mean it's automatically transferred to somebody when they put the uniform on. And, uh, and so I don't, I, I hear what you're saying and I don't disagree. I just, I don't think that's a motivating factor anymore for Duke any more than it is for anyone else, like for Carolina or all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, like watching, you know, watching Hubert Davis cry in his post-game interview, cool. mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not a, even though people say, well, Carolina, they expect to win. That, that didn't look like somebody who expected to win. It looked like somebody who expected to compete and is thrilled with winning. And that, that always, I always think about that. Like this is years ago. Uh, I went into the locker room after, uh, is when Bob Knight was still at Indiana, they played temple and won the game. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, from the outside, you would think, okay, Bob Knight's coached all these games, temple. And you, you went into the locker room and, and it was really cool to see a guy like Knight and his staff still get a bang out of winning. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, still like really enjoy winning that, that it's not a relief that that there's there's you know joy and accomplishment and winning because as you know better than anybody it's not easy to do and especially like a final four that is not easy to do and they're still two steps away from an ultimate goal but you know a lot of teams that you know only one team wins this thing and a lot a lot of teams have had uh, unbelievable seasons where they're going to hang banners for it uh and you you go to a final four you're hanging a banner up but there's something going up in your gym that's going to stay there forever uh, it, it's just really cool to see everybody get a bang out of it. 
I love the freshness of it that we've seen because we've seen teams actually throw some new wrinkles in. Duke ran that little elevator and a little slip to the basket where uh, Mark Williams able, able to get a dunk there. And then it, to even see at, it started kind of at the end, the very end of the season, but certainly in the tournament. I mentioned to you about North Carolina, how their defense has improved. Uh, most teams try to reverse it through their fours and fives. But for those teams who they've played against so far that has been trying to reverse it through their guards, they were denying up in the lane and making them keep that basketball on one side of the floor. So that's there's a freshness about that uh, for me because, of course, when you're in the league, everybody knows every doggone thing that you're going to run. Now do you have the requisite talent to get you to that next level? And I think that's what's happened with both Duke and North Carolina. Yeah, I've been really like Carolina. I mean, you know, I always said road success is always under construction. There are going to be roadblocks and detours, especially for a first year coach who hasn't experienced it in that seat. I think Hubert navigated that thing seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there, there were, it, at least it looked seamlessly. He continued to coach his team every day, stay positive with his team, figure his team out, redefine playing hard, redefine competing, re- redefining as he, you know, he, he talked about fighting. Um, and then putting guys in position, you know, coaching's putting guys in positions to play to their strengths. Mm. Like R.J. Davis having the ball in his hands more. Caleb Love getting it in advanced passes and scoring. You know, the way he's used Brady Manick. The way mm. Leaky Black, who I think is the unsung hero in a lot of ways because he's just kind of, you can put him anywhere you need him. You need him to lock down a guy, he locks down a guy. You need him to, you know, maybe, you know, help you rebound or be a third ball handler, whatever it is. I think it's been, and they have a limited bench. Dawson Garcia left. They had a limited bench, and you know we, we still talk about the Baylor game. That big three that Stills made that that was probably mm-hmm. his biggest shot. You know, you always have one of those moments. So I look, I think I think it's been I think it's been phenomenal. I think that you know just having people in the stands and having the feel of the tournament, mm-hmm. what a different like, you know, what a different feeling. I think about how we felt last year. I mean, you yeah. were, you you were calling games from a booth. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, I mean, everything's different, and and, and but it, it seems back to normal, which is nice. Yeah. But it was just, it's been fun, mm-hmm. and, uh, and but it always is fun. Even last year was it was great for what we had. Yeah, it's and it was no, a great no distraction last year. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, when we come back, we'll take a look at the final four teams and the matchups. <laughs> 